Welcome to The Coin Club, a podcast brought to you by the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion, where we discuss everything related to numismatics. I'm glad to have you along with me for my journey and excited to share with you the very best of numismatics. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 24 of the Coin Club podcast. I hope you're getting outside and enjoying this nice weather that most of us have been having. We're supposed to get a heat wave here in my area, and I'm loving it. The warmer, the better for me. A lot of us are preparing for the upcoming Memorial holiday, whether it be going away, possibly to the beach, or having a cookout with loved ones and enjoying the time off. Please remember the true reason for this holiday. Memorial Day is a time to reflect, look back, and honor our military personnel who have died while serving the United States of America. If your experiences are like mine, your hometown is probably going to have a Memorial Day parade with local community organizations, the fire department, and the VFW participating, and you should absolutely go out and support those organizations who are paying tribute to the fallen. Flags will be placed on the graves of those veterans, and if you're visiting a cemetery during this time, you may see something related to numismatics while you're passing the headstones of those who have fallen. Coins are often placed on the headstones of fallen soldiers in a symbol of respect for the fallen. I'm sure many of you have heard about this before. If you have not, here is the meaning of each denomination you may see on a headstone. If you see a Lincoln cent, it is there to say that you have visited the soldier's grave. If there's a nickel, it means you or the person visiting have served in boot camp together. Seeing a dime means that the person has served with the deceased in some capacity, and if you see a quarter, it means that the individual was with the soldier when they were killed. A small symbol of respect to let others know of your relationship to the fallen. I have many members of my family who have served in the armed forces and who are currently serving, and on this Memorial Day, Pay tribute to the fallen, as they have given the ultimate sacrifice for not only our country, but those around the world that they were helping to protect. In the world of coins, well, we're moving into the summer months, which means a slowdown usually with collecting. Why? Well, the weather is nice and we're spending time with our family and enjoying all the great things that summer has to offer. But that doesn't mean that your hobby has to be put on the back burner. Oh, no. If you're truly a coin person, you're always on the hunt for the next best thing to add to your collection. And while you're going through those months of limited coin interactions, I'm happy to keep bringing you what you need on the Coin Club podcast. Even if you're on the road with your family, you can still catch up on your favorite episodes. So be sure to tune in for all the great info and news and stories as we head into this great season. On this episode of the Coin Club Podcast, you'll get a healthy dose of the news that is the news. Will will continue to head south to spotlight our World Coin Spotlight. You'll get some roll hunting tips and reminders, and we will end the episode with some reminders for storing your coins, especially in regards to humidity as we roll into these months that are super harsh on our hobby. I've covered it once, but it never hurts to remind everyone again. Well, thanks for tuning in, and let's get on with the show.
Be sure to head on over to PCGS.com and check out their article on the United States Armed Forces Commemorative Coins as we move towards this Memorial Day weekend. In my personal opinion, PCGS is the number one coin grader out there, and I would highly recommend their services to anyone. Some of you may be asking if they only grade regular coins, or do they grade coins made out of other material? How about those lucky horseshoe coins you find every now and again, advertising shows, or good luck on local businesses? Well, they have a couple news articles on their website explaining all that, so head on over there for some great content. Father's Day is coming up, June 19th to be exact, and the United States Mint reminds us that there is no better gift for a father who collects than a coin from the United States Mint. They even have a gift-giving guide if you're stuck on what exactly you should give that showcases a lot of cool offerings they have for that dad on your list. Their website is www.usmint.gov and there is no shortage of cool gifts that you can order. Did you know that the United States Mint has a gift shop in Washington, D.C.? Whether you did or did not, it has been closed for nearly two years due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and they have officially opened the doors once again on May 16th. They offer a wide variety of mint products for sale at this location. If you're unsure of where it is, open up your Google Maps and plug in 801 9th Street, Northwest, Washington, D.C., The only unfortunate thing about this announcement is that they are only open from Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Bummer, but at least they're back up and running. A lot of us sell coins online, and one of the methods that we accept for payment is PayPal. They sent out a recent email alerting everyone to a new IRS reporting rule that you should be aware of. Kind of old news, but a reminder for all of you who just hit the delete button on those emails. Starting January 1st, 2022, if you receive payments in excess of $600 on their site, or any other for that matter, you're going to get a 1099-K form so Uncle Sam can dip his hands in your pockets one more time. Using PayPal, if you receive money through friends and family method, this does not count. If you receive the money through goods and services and your total is over $600, then you will get the form. AppMex has a cool new offering that all of you history buffs should go take a look at. They have introduced their 2022 Nikola Tesla series, honoring the Serbian inventor. The one-ounce silver round is available starting as low as $32.01. They also have a great customer service experience. They have a 100% customer satisfaction guarantee and free shipping on orders over $199. If you're out on the West Coast, the Long Beach Expo will be happening on June 30th to July 2nd at the Long Beach Expo Center in Long Beach, California, with over 400 dealers bringing the best of coins, currency, stamps, sports cards, and other collectibles, it's a show that surely should not be missed. Numismatic News is reporting that the Central States U.S. Coins Auction has topped $42 million in sales. The top lot sold for $1.32 million. It was a Justin and Hunter gold ingot. If you're wondering if the coin market is still strong despite the decline in gold and silver prices, head on over to their website to read more about this and other great articles that they have. Do you love Morgan dollars and error coins? Well, head on over to NGCCoin.com and check out their article on the 1882 CC Morgan dollar, nicknamed the Grand Snake, which is graded MS65. It is a really cool off-center strike coin, which was found in a GSA holder. The history behind it and more can be found in the article. Check it out. 
Last bit of news for you today is a reminder that the Baltimore Whitman Coin Show will be held on June 9th through the 11th at the Baltimore Convention Center in Halls A and B. Hours are Thursday 12 to 6, Friday 10 to 6, and Saturday 10 to 5. Go check it out. The World Coin Spotlight takes us south again to a country by the name of Suriname. Just to the east of our last World Coin Spotlight, this country shares borders to the east of French Guiana, south of Brazil, and the north, a coastline to the Atlantic Ocean. It is a country with a population of around 600,000 people and an official language of Surinamese Dutch. Although it is in South America, it is considered a culturally Caribbean country and the only nation outside of Europe where the official language is Dutch. The Surinamese dollar is valued at .048 U.S. dollars as of the date of this podcast. Dutch coins were in use until 1942. Starting in that year, the United States actually started minting coins in the form of 1, 5, 10, and 25 cent pieces. 1962 saw the first coins minted bearing the name of Suriname. They were minted in the same denominations and a one guilder was also added to their portfolio. Today, their coin denominations come in at 1, 5, 10, 25, 100, and 250 cent coins. The coin we're going to feature today is a 125,000 golden commemorative coin. It is paying homage to the new millennium. The obverse of the coin features the Suriname coat of arms with two native protectors above the name of Suriname. A wreath surrounds the entire obverse of the coin. The reverse of the coin is the coolest part, in my opinion. It has a weaved background with 2000 to 2001 on the top left of the edge. The word millennium starts at the top and meets Suriname in the center of the coin with 125,000 golden at the bottom. It is a non-circulating coin made on a planchet of .585 fine gold. It weighs in at 15 grams and is 30 millimeters round. Minted at the Royal Mint in the United Kingdom, this coin is available in proof finishes only. Very cool coin and one you should Google and check out for yourself. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to guide you through some popular over mint marks to be on the lookout for while roll hunting. If you're into roll hunting, you get it. If you're new, you might not. When we're talking about over mint marks, it's exactly what it means. One mint mark over the other. You're probably saying to yourself, Tone, how can that happen? Why would a person at the San Fran Mint put a Denver mint mark on the Lincoln Cent, and how could they even get their hands on that? Well... They didn't. The mint marks were punched into the dies at the Philadelphia Mint for all the mints back in the day and sent to their respective mints. So for whatever reason, for whatever mistake it could be, you need to keep your eyes out for these when searching through your Lincoln cents, particularly your wheat cents. The first year to be on the lookout for is the 1944 Lincoln cent. You can very easily catch this one with the top of the S showing above the D mint mark. That is your over mint mark 1 for your wheat cents. The over mint mark 2 for the same date to be on the lookout for will show a tiny piece of the S sticking out on the west side of the D mint mark. In the year 1946, you can find an S over D mint mark. Take a look at the inside of the top of the S. You will see the D mint mark coming through. 
the year 1951 has two overmint marks to be on the lookout for. The first OMM has the S sticking out to the left side of the D, barely, and the second OMM has the S sticking out at the bottom of the D. The year 1952 has an OMM that shows at the top of the east side of the D mint mark. However, it is contested by experts as to if it really is an overmint mark. The year 1956 has a very contested finding. It sports a D and an S mint mark. Well, Konica has actually delisted this variety of the coin, but there are those that say it's true. There is a clear D mint mark where you would expect one to be, and then there is a very faint partial S between the 1 and the 9 in the date of the coin. If you are unsure, flip that bad boy over and check for a huge die break that runs from the left wheat stalk on down between the U and N in United. The last one is a DDSO over mint mark. There is a D and another D almost directly on top of the first one, and then there is a little tiny part of an S that's sticking out just to the east at the top and bottom of the D. Well, folks, there are a couple more coins to be on the lookout for while hunting through your change or roll finds at auction, or even that junk jar change that's been sitting around forever. Happy hunting, friends. Okay. A topic I get asked a lot about is, Tone, what's the best way to store your coins? Well, the answer to this depends a lot on what you collect, where you live, and what price point you're looking to stay at when purchasing your storage solutions. First things first is no matter what level of collecting you're in, you want to make sure your precious babies are not lying around clanging into each other. Even if you're a casual collector that pulls nice examples out of change, be sure to put your finds in some type of holder, whether it be a 2x2 coin flip or a coin tube or an album. 2x2s are extremely affordable and what most collectors use to store coins. When choosing what type of holder to put your coins in, you have to remember that although it's not visible to the naked eye, when things decay, they release gases and coin damage will ensue. One of the most common causes is from PVC flips that were used a while back. I think you can still actually get them today, but it's not a wise decision. PVC flips contain a softening agent, so the flip is not rigid. When this starts to decay, that agent is released in a gaseous form and is what attacks your coins. If you've never seen the damage that this does to your coin, you're lucky. Depending on the type of metal in the coin, you'll see greenish deposits, a milky looking area on the coin, or a general haze to it. If it's really bad, you'll even get a little blob of green on it. If you're not a fan of cardboard 2x2s, but still want that plastic flip type look, then many people use saf flips. More expensive coins, or coins that are dear to your heart, will require a nice coin capsule. When you've finally decided on what to put your individual coins in, you'll surely want to keep everything together. If you're a casual collector, and security isn't that big of a deal to you, but price is, then just remember the whole gas thing. Paint gives off gases, those old cigar boxes you might have are a no-no, for some of the same reasons, and cardboard boxes too. You'll want to head towards something that is inert as it can be. The easiest and probably cheapest thing to look out for is something that you would store your food in. If it's good enough for mama's leftovers, it's good enough for you. When you're hunting through the cupboard to find a plastic container, check the bottom of those recycle codes. Generally speaking, the ones with a 1, 2, 4, or 5 on the bottom are good to go. 
Even if you're storing your coins in a safe or a bank deposit box, it's a good idea to have them inside a container like this. Think about it. Those bank deposit boxes are usually painted metal boxes and most safes are painted as well. If you have your coins stored inside a gun safe, well especially with the new ones, what do they use to line the inside? Fire retardant carpet looking material. Yep, it all gives off gas, so think about that when putting those gems away. One of the last things I'd like to remind everyone about when deciding what location to store your coins in is something that can sneak up on the best of us. Humidity. Humidity can wreck your collection, and it will, especially if you're in a climate that is conducive to constantly being humid. Now, before you go diving headfirst into eBay or whatever your favorite e-commerce site is to find solutions to your humidity problem, you're going to need to slow it down a bit. Yes, that's all part of the big picture, but reducing humidity does you no good if you don't even know how humid your environment is. First purchase should be one of those little weather stations that gives you the temp and the humidity. I bought a decent one on the cheap at my local grocery store, and I absolutely love it. Anything that reads the humidity is good, but if I had to give one suggestion, it would be to buy one that tells you what level of humidity you're currently dealing with, and also one of that records the lows and highs. This will help you to know if you're doing good work. Going from low humidity to high humidity off and on is also not a great thing either. If you're wondering what the perfect level of humidity is to store coins in, well, that's not an answer I can give you. What I do tell everyone I talk to, try to go as low as you can. In the wintertime, I can usually get my storage area down to about 35%, and in the summer, it stays around 40 to 42, I think. Okay, once you have your sensor, you'll need to think about the environment that you're in and how best to tackle that. Even if you're a budget collector, don't skimp in this area. It will pay off for sure in the long run. There are a number of humidity control products on the market, and you really have to pick what you feel is the right, because it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. If you have your coins in a plastic container, then you want something sized right for that. I'm not a big fan of those throwaway desk impacts, but they're out there and they can help. I like the reusable type of silica gel desk dehumidifiers. You can purchase these at a relatively good price, again, depending on what you get. They have types that are housed in a canister that you can put in the oven to recharge, but my favorite is the Eva Dry brand ones. They are housed in a container that has a color code on them. When the crystals in the window turn green, you know it's time to recharge it. Another benefit of these is you don't have to turn on the oven to dry them out. You simply plug it into a socket for a while and it's good as new. They are UL listed so they are safe and the size of them is good enough for a medium sized food container or you can purchase a couple of those for those of you who have larger safes. The last thing I would recommend if you're really going to get into safe storage of your coins in regards to humidity is if you have a room that is humid to begin with, then you really should invest in a larger room dehumidifier. I got on the Lennox website and they say that a comfortable inside humidity level should be from 30 to 50% humidity. If you're fighting an extremely damp environment to begin with, using a room dehumidifier can help you get your coin storage down even further. Remember, nothing is airtight, so regardless of whatever solution you come up with, keep checking on it from time to time. You want to make sure you're giving your precious collectibles the best chance they have at surviving in the same condition you found them in.
Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I was really glad to have you along with me. Remember to share the podcast with your friends, visit, and follow me on social media. You can find all those links at www.7houseccb.com. Feel free to email me your questions and comments. And as always, I hope to have you along with me on the next episode of the Coin Club Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I had a great time with you and look forward to sharing with you on the next episode. Please follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion and also on Instagram at the Coin Club Podcast. You can also go to my website, www.7houseccb.com and give me some feedback on this episode or some suggestions on what you would like to see on future episodes. As always, I'm grateful to all of you for your support and look forward to seeing you the next time on the Coin Club Podcast.